Welcome to the Bethesda Church Podcast. We're so thankful to have you join us today from wherever you're listening in. You can stay up to date with us at BethesdaChurch.tv or look us up on Facebook or Instagram. Now let's get ready to dive into today's word. How's everybody doing? Amen. It's good to see you. I want to reiterate what uh, Pastor Karen said this Wednesday night for our Dream Team. If you're a Dream Team member, don't miss out. Going to be a great night. A lot of fun stuff happening on Wednesday night at 7 o'clock. We are in message number four of Mind Games. How many of you have enjoyed the series up to this point? You enjoyed it? I've definitely enjoyed sharing um, the information and, and just what God has been saying about transforming and renewing our minds. And I'm really excited, uh, as usual, about today's message because um, I want to deal with, with something that is a heavy topic in our generation. Uh, it's something that a lot of people are struggling with, and it's um, anxiety. Uh, so I want to call this message the cure for anxiety. Anybody ready for the word today? The cure for anxiety. Let's look at a couple of verses that we've looked at each week um, out of Romans chapter number 12, starting in verse number one. It says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So Paul says, be transformed by renewing our minds, right? Renewing our minds through the word of God so that we can prove what the will of God is. Um, The only way to prove the will of God is to have your mind transformed or renewed. And we renew our minds through the Word of God. Everybody say the Word of God. The Word of God is what transforms and renews our mind. Now, over the past month or so, Pastor Karen and myself, um, we've been um, elbow deep into landscaping. Anybody ever done any landscaping? Come on, wave at me if you've ever done any landscaping. All right. Um, Well, what started out as we need... um, to pull a few weeds because we had this jungle thing going on outside, um, turned into a month-long project of weeding, of pruning, of trimming hedges. And I mean, I, it took hours, days. I, I, I never thought we would get done um, because it was so time-consuming. But after eight trucks of mulch, truckloads of mulch, We finally got it all done. Praise God. Let's move on. Amen. Anybody feel me? Uh, It took a lot of intense. So for all the people that are like professional landscapers, um, Leo Lewis comes to mind. Kudos to you. Let's give it up for all the landscapers right now. Amazing. Amazing. I'm not anointed for that, all right? Um, But it got me to thinking that that took a ton of work. It took a lot of intentionality. At times, it was a little painful, um, but, but I, as, I, as we finished up the project, I got to thinking how that applies to us because our mind is no different than um, what we were doing with the landscaping. How many know when it comes to your mind, you got to put the right things in and you got to weed out the wrong things, um, and it takes a lot of intentionality. Our head and heart could best be described as a garden. A garden to grow the right things, we got to put the right things in, but we also have to be intentional to weed out the things that we do not need. Um, and so, I want to ask this morning what are you planting in that garden? What are you cultivating in that garden? What, what are you pruning in this season in your head? What are you weeding out? In other words, what is the condition of your mind? And what is the condition of your heart? See, you are what's in your head. The reality is, is that what's going on in your head is playing out in your life. Um, and a lot of people don't understand the truth of this. We, we think we're just at the mercy of circumstances, but you really are what's in your head. 
This is why someone can be living in a mansion in Beverly Hills and commit suicide. It's, it's because they are not living in the mansion. They are living in their head. I just said a mouthful. They're not living in the mansion. They're living in their head. You don't shoot yourself because you have a ton of money. You shoot yourself because of what's going on in your head. People become addicts many times. And they, um, they try to medicate the pain. Oftentimes, though, they're not medicating the pain in their body. They're medicating the pain in their head. And I'm not talking about physical pain in their head. I'm talking about emotional pain. I'm talking about the pain in their mind that they're not able to get past. And that's where a lot of people are living. See, you are a house made of thoughts. Tell your neighbor that. You are a house made of thoughts. Every day we are building the house we live in with the thoughts that we think. We've learned in this series that our brain has two primary functions, to remember the past, but also to imagine the future. We've, we've talked about the fact that our mind, the, the memory part of our mind, uh, our memories could fit inside of a closet, but our imagination is the size of the, of the universe. But many people, instead of living out uh, that imagination part of their brain, the size of the universe, they live in a closet. They, they, their life becomes small and limited and filled with lack, all because they are married to what happened instead of married to what God wants to do. And so there has to be a shift that takes place in our thinking. It's the thought that we meditate on that plays out in our life. Your thoughts define your reality. Your thoughts define your reality. You can be attacked. People can do hurtful things to you. All those things are true. But the fact is 90% of my life, 90% of your life, you will arrive at the destination of your thoughts, not what people did. You're going to arrive at the level of your thinking. See, you have to become what you want to be in your mind before you can become what you want to be in your life. And this is the hurdle that a lot of people can't get past. They can never become who they want to be here, and so it never transpires to who they want to be here, physically speaking. It's got to happen in your mind first. And anxiety, guys, it is tripping up millions let me say that again. It's tripping up millions of people. It is a plague in our generation. Anxiety is defined as the body's response to worry and fear. See, um, it, it, it also is defined as feeling restless or on edge, feeling fatigued often, difficulty focusing. This is all anxiety. Irritability. We got any irritable people here? I don't want to know. I'm going to walk carefully around you. Excessive feelings of worry that are difficult to control. It also, um, one of the side effects is difficulty sleeping. We know that anxiety disorders, um, they, they play out in so many different ways. They play out in um, panic disorders, uh, phobia-related disorders, obsessive compulsive disorders, post-traumatic stress disorders, anxiety. is. When I got to reading about anxiety, it's like reading the encyclopedia. There is so much information, so many different facets to it, and nobody falls into the exact same category when they are dealing with anxiety. Anxiety and Depression Association of America says anxiety disorders are the most common mental illness in the United States, affecting 40 million adults in the U.S. age 18 and older. And check this out, 18.1% of the population every single year deal or they are diagnosed with anxiety-related issues. See, an estimated 31% of all adults will experience an anxiety disorder at some point in their life. Anxiety disorders are actually more prevalent in women than they are in men. And, and I, I want to be real honest and be very transparent right here. I have had moments of anxious thoughts. Anybody know what I'm talking about? 
feelings of being overwhelmed, feelings of, of real strong feelings of, of being overwhelmed, being stressed out. Uh, I would not say that I have ever dealt with full-blown anxiety or panic attacks, but here's what I will tell you. I know people, I pastor people, I love people that have experienced it. They have gone through it. They have had panic attacks. They have uh, had difficulty sleeping at night. They have been filled with worry and fear. And, and so we want to have compassion on those that have gone through it and those that are going through it. But we also want to give you enough word today to understand that you have the cure for anxiety already within your possession, but the enemy continues to break your focus off of what God has put in you and you keep getting tripped up on what's going on around you. The answer, some of y'all are not going to like the cure for anxiety because we want, we want a difficult equation. We don't want anything simple. If, 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 it's, if we're really going to be healed and whole, it's got to be complicated. How many know Jesus doesn't make it complicated? Check this out in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7. Be anxious for nothing. I'm going to just stop right there and say that about sums it up, right? Be anxious for nothing. And here's the key, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And if we do that, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So, so Paul says, be anxious for nothing. Anxiety is a down payment on what you never get to buy. In everything, Paul says, by prayer and supplication. Many times the problem we have is that we only bring God some things. And God wants us to bring him everything. We pick and choose the things we bring to God, but Paul said in everything, in everything. See, you are a house made of thoughts, and if you want to change, you have to shift to from your memory and you got to shift into your imagination. You have to learn how to make your mind become your servant. Some of us are serving our mind when we should be making our mind serve us. And there is a big difference because when we become servant to our mind, our mind tells us when we're tired. Our mind tells us when we're overwhelmed. Our mind tells us when we're filled with anxiety. But we have to check that and not become a servant to our thinking. But we, we've got to make our mind serve us. And better yet, we have to make our mind serve God by serving the word of God. And, and so that's an intentional decision that we have to make. Some of us, we're struggling because we have become servant to our feelings. We can't feel something without giving it life by speaking about how sometimes shut up and don't tell anybody how you feel. Because the moment you verbalize it, it's now becoming something planted in you. Our life follows our words and you're talking deaf and talking tired and talking stressed out. If you continue to talk like that, listen, you have to enjoy the fruit of that. And I'm as guilty as anybody else. I had a moment this week. I put it on Facebook. Probably shouldn't have done that. You ever posted it and said, why did I do that? I just told everybody I struggled. But, but how many, you know, we impress people with our strengths, but we connect with people through weakness. And, and so I had a moment. And, and, and after I had my moment, I already did what, what I did and had to go back. And you have, have you ever had to go back and say, I'm sorry? Y'all don't, don't have to do that, do you? Sometimes I have to go back and say, I'm sorry. I, I, I'm, I just, I had a moment. I was overwhelmed. I, I was probably physically tired. And so I had to go back and apologize for something that I had done. And it was all because I had all these thoughts racing in my, in my mind. And I was becoming servant to my mind instead of making my mind servant to me. Big difference. I'm talking today 
to people who have runaway minds, people who are so used to losing that if you were to actually win, you would sabotage it. People who have messed up so many times that now you expect to mess up. People that meditate on negative thoughts that has become normal to you and thinking positive is almost painful to you. And I'm talking to people today who will not give their mind permission to succeed. Now, with that being said, because all that translates to anxiety. I love sports. You guys know that about me. And I love a lot of the life lessons from sports and a lot of the analogies that we can bring out of sports. But we've all um, watched a team that is, is they're, they're losing the game, but then there's one big play in the game where the team that was behind now shifts the momentum. Y'all know what I'm talking about. In football, it could be one interception, one big hit, and it the, 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 the game, the tide of it completely turns. In basketball, it could be a block shot or a timely three-pointer. In baseball, it could be a diving catch that stops the run of another team. But what we see is that momentum shifts, but what we don't all often understand is that momentum is not just a sports thing, but momentum applies to your life. Momentum applies to your relationships. It applies to your emotions. You can hear people talk about momentum, though they would never know they're talking about momentum because they usually talk about it in a very negative way. When you hear the guy come by and he's always speaking like this, I'm, I'm always a day late and a dollar short. Um, it, if it wasn't for bad luck, I would have no luck at all. And you hear people, I just can't catch a, a break. What, what are they doing? They got momentum. They got momentum going in the wrong direction. And listen, I know good Christian people that every time I see them, I'm stressed out. I'm worried. I'm tired of people. I'm frustrated. What are you doing? You are creating momentum that is pushing you into anxiety. We don't like this, this kind of teaching and preaching, though, because we want to think everything in our life is the result of people and the devil. You got to come up out of that delusion at some point because it's nothing but delusion. 90% of your life right now is what you've made it. Negative momentum must be stopped before positive momentum can begin. You got to stop the bus from moving in the same direction. You got to first stop it before you can turn it. So we have to learn mind control, all right? And I'm not talking about mind control like you controlling other people. All right, let's just, like I ain't into the witchcraft stuff. The devil is a liar, all right? I want you to control your mind. Manage your mind. Manage your thinking. Steward your thoughts. Not someone else's, but yours. And the only way I can do that is that I, I'm going to have to make a decision, even though it's going to hurt my pride, that I'm going to forget about the things that are behind. And I'm going to press toward the high calling. That's what Paul said. What is the high calling? The high calling is what we've been preaching for the last three weeks. The high calling is the, the picture God has put inside you. That's the high calling. It's the thing that God has shown you, that we move towards that, the picture God has given us, that comes out of our imagination. There, there are a lot of people who, uh, they have calendar years that, are, that they're flipping by in their life, and the calendar years keep rolling, but they are still stuck in their head. So, you know, they, something happened when they're 18, but now they are 58, but they've missed the last 40 years. So the dates kept changing, but the reality is they are still stuck in their head. The place you are living is not your address. 
I don't care what, what your address is, the place you are living is in your head. That is where you live. And some of us, if we're being honest, our life got stuck at some point and we've been living in that, in that traumatic place for years. And that traumatic place continues to bring anxiety, stress, feelings of being overwhelmed, fear into our lives because we are stuck. But if you want to move your life forward, you have to move your head forward. Anybody getting anything out of this? All right. You, you got to move. It's a decision. You got to move your head forward. Oh, no. Is it happening again? Check. Are we on? Good deal. Sound like it got lower. After the children of Israel, when we read, read about them in the Old Testament, if you'll remember, God delivered them out of bondage. Now it's louder. Um, God delivered them out of bondage um, and brought them, brought them completely out, and they are, they are now wandering in the wilderness. God's delivered them, brought them out, and it, it's so crazy because they're in a weird place. They come out of the bondage, and now it's, they have no infrastructure. They have no government. They have no one to bring their matters to, like uh, no judge at that point. They have no economy. They have um, no grocery stores, no Starbucks. They, they have nothing, all right? And God takes Moses up on a mountain and gives Moses a picture of a tabernacle. And God said, the first thing I want you to do, Moses, is I want you to go back down and receive an offering. Now, how many know God's got some nerve? They just came out of Egypt. They're wondering, it's just the people and sand. And now God says, I need an offering. And y'all thought I was tough taking up an offering in this economy. All right? But God said, I, I, I want... I want you to receive an offering. And he showed Moses a picture of this tabernacle. Now, the problem was, is that when Moses came off the mountain, having received this picture of a tabernacle, um, he, he comes down off the mountain and the people are stressed out. They're overwhelmed. They're filled with anxiety. They're struggling. I mean, they, they got anxiety up to here. Um, and... The problem was, is that they had forgotten, because if you, if you read the story, instead of being thankful that they're no longer in bondage, now they're blaming Moses for where they are. That somehow, in the process, they had forgotten that Moses, even though he wasn't perfect, how many of you know Moses was responsible for their deliverance? Completely responsible. And, and, and God began to speak to me out of this story this week and, and show me that people who are stressed out, people who are overwhelmed and filled with anxiety. Now, those of you that are struggling, we have compassion. We've all been there. But I have to say this. When we are filled with anxiety, we become selfish and narcissistic. Everybody else's world now revolves around how we feel. Our feelings control the environment of every room we walk. Nobody can have their own feelings. They got to have my feelings. They have to feel what I'm feeling. And, and I, I'm not bringing that out to make you feel bad. I'm bringing that out to show you not only do you just want to get rid of anxiety and fear, but you want to get rid of it because not only does it destroy what God wants to do in you, it destroys relationships that you desperately need. Because when you become that selfish and you begin to sabotage those relationships, you're going to miss out on what God has for you. And so God shows Moses this, this picture on the mountain of a tabernacle. And when he comes off the mountain, God says, now I want you to receive an offering and I want you to build this tabernacle. And the point is, if we're going to defeat anxiety, the first thing we have to get in order is our worship. Now, when you read the story, you got to understand the people are stressed out. 
they want Moses basically dead. Like, we would have been better off in Egypt. See, when you are filled with anxiety, you can't even see the blessings all around you. You can't even celebrate good people God brought into your life because all you can see when you are being dominated with anxiety is your problems, your difficulty, what so-and-so did, what this person didn't do. You're not able to see all the goodness of God that is all around you and all the many blessings. Listen, if you could take a minute today just to celebrate all the good things in your life, you could, you could move on from all the bad things. Some of us, were, we have to get our, our, our worship in order, but some of us, were worshiping our past. Some of us, we built a monument of what happened instead of, instead of building an altar to worship God. We're magnifying what happened instead of magnifying God. It, but if we can get our worship right, watch this, everything else will prosper. Everything else will fall into alignment if I can get, because if I worship God, I can't worship you by, by just focusing my feelings on how you feel. See, anxiety play, plagued people, and we've all been there. We can't get over um, the limitations in our own mind, and we're maximizing things that are minimal. But we can't see it. Why? Because we have anxiety. We're overwhelmed. We can't see what we're doing in the moment. And it's important because if you can get your worship right, God will then give you a picture of the future that he has for you. And that is so important because if you don't see anything, you can't build anything. I cannot build what I cannot picture. And I cannot get a picture of what God has for me until I first get my worship right. Some people have days, weeks, months, and years where they are lifeless and wondering because they don't see anything. They haven't gotten into God's presence long enough to get a picture of a future that is so powerful that it will cause them to walk out of the shadows of yesterday. See, when I get a picture of a bright future of what God wants to do, then now I'm willing to leave the shadows of yesterday to pursue something that is far greater than what I went through yesterday. But I got to know God has good things for me. I got to be under teaching and preaching that tells me God has some good things for me. Even if I've been through bad things, God has good things. He's got a plan for me. And so if, if I get this picture that God has, this high calling, if I get that picture, now I start pursuing the right things. And, and I love this because once my mind gets a picture of the future God has for me, it's my mind's responsibility to go out, collect all the data and information necessary to produce the picture that God gave me. Some of us, our mind is wandering with crazy stuff because we're not focused on the picture God gave us. If I could get focused on the picture God has given me, then I pursue the right people. I pursue the right things. And, and I want some people to know that your mind is powerful. Your mind, if you could ever focus on something for an extended period of time, your mind would become like a drill bit. It would pierce through adversity. It would pierce through anything that you're going through. Because listen, you all know, y'all know any focused people that once they get their mind on something, hell won't stop them. Even if it's like, I'm getting the laundry done today. I don't care what happens. Hurricane can blow the house away. I'm holding on to the washing machine. I'm getting this done today, right? That's, that's like me. When I start laundry, like, it's like all day. I'm, I'm going to do it today. Um, but your mind is your mind has the ability to focus in like a laser beam, like and 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 produce the future God has for you. But if but if we are still serving our mind instead of making our mind serve the purpose of God, 
then we're never going to be focused. And so that's why I gave you this point. There are answers already on the inside of you, but the enemy knows he cannot stop your purpose. So he breaks your concentration. He breaks your focus. It's kind of like, uh, I used to go to the circus as a kid. Anybody ever been to a circus? Uh, but one of the things you would see at a circus is that uh, you'd have this little dude that would go into a cage with like lions. And, you know, I didn't know it at the time, something I had to learn later, but the lions were many times, that, how many know a lion is built to attack? That's what a lion is built to do. But the lion, if, if, if you'll notice, you could probably, I didn't YouTube it this week, but if you could YouTube it or Google it, a lot of times the lions are placed on three-legged stools. And, and so the idea is lions are built to attack, but what they do is that they, they are now, because of the three-legged stools, the guy's able to go in there and not die because the lion is focused on personal balance instead of attacking. And so it, it focuses on, on the balance there. And so I, I want to tell some people that if you could ever get, I'm going to rephrase, let's phrase it like this. Let's phrase it like this. Have you ever wondered why sometimes you have so many problems at home? Have you ever wondered why you have maybe the same problems at work? Or maybe the same problems in, in your own mind over and over again. Watch this. You are a lion, but many times we're no different than the circus. We're on a three-legged stool. And, and what, what is happening is we can't focus on, on our purpose because our priorities are out of balance. I just said a mouthful. If you could ever get your personal life in balance, like where you're not fighting at home and fighting at work and got this problem again and that problem, if you could ever start putting it into alignment, the lion on the inside of you would come alive and you could attack life with a vigor like never before to produce the future, but the devil is keeping you not out of balance. He can't stop your purpose, so he breaks your focus. He breaks your focus. Your mind has the ability to convince you of anything. Have you ever, heard, have you ever listened to somebody tell a story and you knew they were lying? <laughs> but they're crying. Like lying through your teeth. Lying through the snot and the boogers. <laughs> they, they, I mean, they have convinced themselves that I'm telling the truth. Their mind has convinced them that they good, that they didn't do anything wrong. I heard about this study that was done on a football team, and I don't know how they got away with this without like getting sued, but apparently they did a study on a football team, and um, most football teams are 53 men rosters, and they went in, did this study, and they told everybody on the football team that they had a disease. Now, as you can imagine, the football team bought it, even though they didn't. They didn't have anything wrong. All of them, within 48 hours, even though they didn't have it, within 48 hours, every person on the team started developing symptoms of a disease that they did not have. Their mind convinced their body that they were sick even though they were not sick. If I could just get in your mind that by his stripes you are healed, your mind could shrink that tumor, baby. Your mind could take authority over that sickness and disease. Your mind could say, I'm not supposed to be messed up, frustrated, overwhelmed, and filled with anxiety. I'm supposed to be filled with the peace and the joy of the Lord. Somebody giving praise today. Your mind can convince you of anything it wants. Anything it wants. If you ask your mind to give you five reasons why you should be depressed, your mind will find five good reasons 
why you should be depressed. But if you tell your mind, give me five reasons why I should have joy. Your mind will go out and collect the data and the information that you need to put a smile on that face of yours. And God knows you need one. Your mind is easily trained. We want to pretend it's hard, but it's actually easy. Within 30 seconds, you can be headed down a train of thought. Now think about people that have been living in a neighborhood for 30 years. They've seen the same thing for 30 years. They've been same environment, same people. Our brain can be trained and taken down a road of thought. It's why the Bible tells us that our minds have to be washed with the word of God. We talk a lot about getting our heart right, but I'm finding more and more, it's not that people's hearts are off, their heads are off. Like, I I think they would go to heaven if Jesus came, but they're just miserable until they get there. And it's because their head is off. It's not their heart is off, their head is off. That's why we have to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. You, you got to be very careful about allowing your mind to define your experiences. Because our mind wants to define every, define every experience we have. But the problem is, is God's ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are so much higher than our thoughts. In other words, God thinks on a totally different level. He thinks way beyond what we think. And he possesses information that you and I don't always have. See, your mind defines it one way, but God is defining it another way. Your mind says, this is the worst time of my life. Your mind says, I've never seen anything like this. Your mind says, I just don't know if I can take any more. See, we often think about our present afflictions, but God is thinking about your weight of glory. Affliction and glory is connected in the Bible. Paul says that these present afflictions will not compare to the weight of glory that shall be revealed. So while our mind is thinking about everything that's wrong, God is thinking about a weight of glory that we can't see right now. And I want to tell somebody that sometimes your greatest tragedy becomes your greatest opportunity. That in one season you're in a room crying and in the next season doors are opening because of what you went through. In one season you're frustrated because of the pain, but in the next season not only are you healed, but everybody connected to you gets healed. God always takes our mess our tragedy, what we've been through, forgetting those things that are behind and pressing toward. What's God want to do? He wants to turn your affliction into a weight of glory, but you got to give your mind permission to dream of a new future. You got to give it permission. Some of us refuse to let our mind dream. Refuse to let our mind imagine Something great. As I said earlier, some of us, if we started winning, we would sabotage it. Because we're so used to losing. It's easy to fall into the rut and continue to lose. And, and I don't want you to take this the wrong way. Sometimes it's harder to win. And the reason is because when God starts blessing you, you know what you got to do? You got to start managing the blessing. You got you to steward what God entrusts to you. And so your mind is either a maximizer or a minimizer of every experience you have. And the problem that we have, I've been guilty to, we maximize the wrong things and we minimize the right things. We take the negative things and we, we magnify them. We take the positive things and sometimes what's sad about this, the positive things are people. God brought into your life. And because of anxiety, you have now minimized people that love you. You've now made them small. And you've magnified. And I'm telling you that because not only will you sabotage what God wants to do in you, 
if we don't get free of anxiety and panic attacks and, you know, can't sleep and irritable, all the things that come with anxiety, we not only sabotage what God has for us, but we start sabotaging the relationships we need the most. And that's why today you say, why are you in a suit today? I only wear suits to funerals and weddings. But I showed up in a suit today because we need a funeral for anxiety. We need a funeral for panic attacks. We need a funeral for people that are dealing with thoughts of, of I'm overwhelmed, I'm stressed out. Come on, church, if you believe that we can come out of that kind of thinking and step into what God has for us. I didn't plan to say that, but it came out. Amen. You better be seated because I'm not stopping today. I wrote in my notes, I don't care about the clock. (laughs) This is that important to me. Tuesday, when I finished up this message, all I could do was cry because I felt the weight of what God wants to do in people's lives. I felt the magnitude of what many of us have walked in with today. I felt that. It was like I could sense God, you really do want to do something. Now, I know we come every week believing God wants to do something. But I felt this anxiety thing, this overwhelmed, stressed out thing that people are dealing with. And I'm not, I'm not trying to just minimize it at all. But I am stressing, we've got to get free. We will not accomplish the will of God in our lives filled with anxiety. It's not going to happen we got to learn how to maximize the right things and minimize the wrong things. Everybody's been hurt. Can I get a witness? Everybody's been hurt. And I don't want to come off as cold, rude, but I'm tired of hearing about everybody's hurt. I, I'm so, like, I, we, we, we get in a rut and all we talk about for the next 10 years is how we got hurt. Okay, you got hurt. We believe you. We love you. What are you going to do about it? Are you going to cry for the next 10 years? Some people need to quit crying over what they cannot change. It happened. Come on, go ahead. That's fine. It happened. Listen, I'm going to take that a step further. Some of you, you're, the hurt wasn't because of what somebody did to you. The hurt stems just, just because something didn't turn out the way you had thought it would. Quit crying over what you cannot change. God will take the affliction and he will turn it in to a weight of glory. He will. He will do that. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. Why is God's first thing always our last thing? Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. I want to submit to you today that it's impossible to get into God's presence, like really into his presence, and stay sad. If it's possible to do that, the Bible and God is a liar. In the presence of the Lord, there is fullness of joy. In the presence of God, there is peace that surpasses all understanding. In the presence of God, he takes my pain and gives me peace and joy. See, when you get confronted with information that is tough to swallow, God is saying, when you're you're feeling those anxious thoughts, when you're feeling a little stressed out, I want you to start not by going to your spouse or calling a friend or finding someone to talk to. God says, the first place I want you to come to is me. How many can admit that sometimes instead of making God the first place, 
he becomes the last place. It's like, well, I've done everything else. I guess now it's up to God. I think he can handle it. And he could probably handle it a whole lot faster if you'd have bypassed everybody in your cell phone and just went to him in the first place. If you would have started there and not just ended there, it would have saved you some pain. So he says, in prayer and supplication, and this supplication, I don't know why. I'm 42 years old, been in church my whole life. I had never, like, studied the word supplication. I always pray, in prayer and supplication. Don't even know what supplication means. (laughs) Y'all guilty too, aren't you? Because you're waiting on what, what's it mean? Supplication means extended experiences in God extended experiences in God. This generation doesn't know anything about extended experiences in God. (laughs) I got to explain this because you know what we do? We want to pray just long enough to feel better. The church I grew up in, you didn't just pray until you felt better. You prayed until... You, you did something that they called, you have now prayed through. But you didn't decide when you had prayed through. They told you when you had prayed through and when you had a right to get up. If some of you could get into the presence of God long enough, listen, you would come out of his presence with a word, with peace, with joy, the burden lifted, your mind not focused on what they did or didn't do, but you gotta, you got to get into his presence for an extended period of time. It's not just some, now I lay me down to sleep. It's get into into God's presence and stay there until you can get up and forgive those that have wronged you. Stay there until the bitterness leaves. Stay there till you can get a picture of a future that God has for you. Stay into his presence, in his presence, until you are healed and made whole. Stay into his presence. And, and, and the longer you spend in God's presence, the less you'll talk about negative things and the more you'll start talking about blessing and heaven and good things and healing and miracles and deliverance and God's provision. Why? Because in his presence, there is fullness of joy. I am, I'm way over time and don't care. We may do church 9 and 11 together in a minute. I, I want you to get this today. Because what, what is God saying? Be anxious for nothing. Let me stop and say, those in a hurry rarely experience God's power. You know how people are. I need a miracle and I need it right now. Pastor, I got two minutes. Go. So God's cure for anxiety, prayer, supplication with thanksgiving. So if you put it all on the the slide, these three things, what God is saying, let's make it simple. Come straight to me. Some of us got to work on that. Be willing to stay there a while. And as you approach me, approach me with thanksgiving. In prayer and supplication by thanksgiving. So I love this because thanksgiving is what you do for, it, it, it's, a, it's what you do for an action that has been completed. If I ask Pastor Jeremiah for a mint and he gets in his pocket and gives me a mint, I say, thank you. Why? He completed an action. I'm thankful. So I'm like, where are you going with that? Here's the key. Jesus said, It is finished. Everything you need, you've got. When you come to God praying, you don't ask for what he has said is finished because he's not going to get up and do that again. If you need healing, you got to understand what Jesus did has already healed you. So when I pray, I don't come to God and say, Lord, I have this need And I would really like for you to show up in my life and do this. No, sir, that will not cure anxiety. 
You got to start coming to God with a word that is in you. God, I thank you that by your stripes, I am healed. God, I thank you that if I come to you in prayer, supplication, and thanksgiving, God, that you'll guard my mind with your peace, God. God, I thank you that I don't have to worry about my kids because you've given your angels charge over them. God, I, I know that I am blessed when I get up. I know I'm blessed when I lay down. I'm blessed in the city and blessed in the field. God, you said that everything I put my hands to would prosper. God, I thank you for meeting my needs, protecting my family, watching over me in Jesus. That's how you pray. Why? Because it's already done. It's already done. We're not begging. We're not pleading. We're declaring what Jesus has already made available. And one of the things he's made available is peace of mind. I don't have to be anxious. I don't have to be. Stand to your feet. Stand to your feet. When anxiety comes, I, have, I got prayer, supplication, thanksgiving, and God says, I'll guard. I love this. Prayer, supplication, thanksgiving, God says, I'll guard your mind with my peace. So when that runaway thought comes, what, what, what happens? You're surrounded with the peace of God. So when the runaway mind starts thinking thoughts it shouldn't think, it bumps into God's peace. You're protected on all sides. That broken mind is now bumping into the hedge that God has put all around you. And you're able to live your life with peace. Listen, tell your neighbor real quick, tell somebody, say, you got the cure. You've got the cure. Now, let's end with this. Y'all like, praise the Lord. Philippians 4. This is the same chapter. So we read verses six and seven, all right? We preached verses six and seven, verses eight and nine, same chapter. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do. And the God of peace will be with you. Those of you dealing with anxiety, ask yourself today, in your life, what is true? What is pure? What are some of the good reports in my life? What are the things that you can give God praise for? Rehearse those things. Meditate on those things. Because God has given you the answer to anxiety, but it's your responsibility to choose to walk in that. Can we give God praise for his word? It's your responsibility. I almost feel, and I know we're not laying hands on people and all that stuff right now, but we're about ready to get back to that too, by the way. You just need to know. You say, well, why? Because the Bible says there's power in that. There's power in it. Um, I almost feel like there needs to be an action step. Almost like when the priests came up against the Jordan when the children of Israel did the Bible says the priests went first and it says when they stepped in the waters parted some of you have been filled with anxiety it has led to depression it's led to all kinds of panic disorders and irritability and can't sleep we're about to sing a song about how good God is but before we sing this song and we can do this I, I think I don't know how many will respond but if you need to be free in your mind and you're ready to take that step, I hope it's not embarrassing to you. I hope that you're thinking, I am stepping towards freedom. This thing's going apart as I move. And we can use from wall to wall and put distance between you. I just, I feel like I need to pray for you. But if that is you today, you say, that, that's me, Pastor. You've been preaching to me by faith. Step out, come to the altar. We'll spread as wide as we can by faith come in the name of Jesus.
In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Church, give God praise. Look at all these people that are coming forward. Do your best, do your best to spread out. It's a holy moment. You know God is speaking if, if I'm willing to take this step because <laughs> I know how it can be viewed, but we're, we're not going to lay hands on you, but I, I believe that the power of the Holy Spirit is going to hit this place. And specifically, those that are feeling, that are filled with anxiety, stress, and being overwhelmed. I want to say, I love you. I want to say, listen to this, God loves you. He cares about you. The hairs on your head have been numbered. And if you're like me, even the ones that fell out, he knows the ones that did. All right? He loves you. And he wants to guard your mind. He wants to protect your mind. The enemy wants to continue to sow those anxious thoughts. But today, we're going to take authority over Church, stretch your hands this way. Stretch your hands this way. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. And we thank you right now for every person, God, that stepped forward, that is dealing with anxiety, stress, God, feeling, uh, feelings of being overwhelmed. We thank you, God, that you have given us the mind of Christ. God, that we take authority over every negative thought, every anxious thought, every seed of the enemy that is he's tried to plant god we weed it out we pluck it up in the name of jesus some of you are dealing today you're 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 feel you're, you're scared that you think something's wrong with you something's wrong with you physically i speak in the name of jesus i take authority over that thought i speak health and healing and wholeness over your physical body right now that your mind you don't serve your mind but your mind serves you and father we speak blessing over them god we take authority over those thoughts god and god we 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 know it's the engrafted word the word that becomes one with our thoughts god so today we celebrate god that you are good that you are just that you are forgiving that your mercy endures forever that we are blessed from the top of our head to the bottom of our feet our marriages are blessed our relationship with our kids are blessed our money well some of you are worried about how you're going to pay those bills I'm reminded God is feeding the birds they don't have a job you may not have a job but God is still my provider we thank you for the provision God that you're making on behalf of your people today for healing our bodies setting our minds free God and and God even providing financially for us God Lord I speak to the worry and the fear that is keeping some of you that it's sleep that that you you can't sleep I pray tonight you're able to lay down with a grin on your face and sleep in the presence of God that the enemy be silenced in this season that you're able to rest and wake up refreshed in the morning in the name of Jesus let this be the best night the best week and the best month's sleep God they've ever had let them rest in knowing that you're taking care of everything in their life church if you believe it I want you to give God a praise right now come on give God a praise right now Come on, you can do better than that. Yes, sir. Those of you that responded, here's what we're going to do. Stay distanced, but during this song, make this song a declaration. We're going to sing about Jesus, he keeps on getting better. How many of you know Jesus keeps on getting better today? God bless you. Thank you for being here. Thanks for listening to the Bethesda Church Podcast. If you'd like to contribute financially to our ministry, you can do so by going to BethesdaChurch.tv slash give. See you on the next episode.